Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? Welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today I'd like to welcome Vanessa Kanaka. Got it wrong again. I'm not going to start again. That's okay. Um, everybody, I've tried to get this name out twice now. Vanessa Carnavali. And she's the author of The Florentine Bridge. Good morning, Vanessa. Good morning, Melinda. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. That's okay. I can't get my words out. I don't know what's going on here. Tell us all about that beautiful book and that beautiful cover. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, uh, The Florentine Bridge is um, obviously my debut novel, so it's my, my first baby going out into the world, and it's a story about a young Australian woman by the name of Mia who has uh, has basically overcome her battle with cancer. She's been cancer-free for nine months, but what she went through during her treatment has basically left a few scars and she's struggling to um, see the world in the same way that she did before. And as an aspiring artist, that's influenced the way that she sees herself as an artist, but also to the way that she's um, making her art. So when the opportunity to travel to Tuscany presents itself, she takes it and um, unexpectedly falls in love. And uh, basically the story is a journey um, in seeing Mia overcome some of the fears in her life um, and how she sort of, you know, goes about doing that. But also it looks at you know how we how we deal with uncertainty in our lives and how we manage to come back to see the beauty and find ourselves in everything so yeah so in a nutshell that's what it is but yeah it's a story that I never intended to be a love story and it certainly is and it's been a journey in writing this book as well but I just want to stick with that idea of the moment about writing what you know writing what you love now everybody it is holiday mode so I'm allowed to go here Tuscany tell us all about it <laughs> so yeah I have ties to Tuscany so um, I lived in in Florence for three years actually uh, and then went back and forth back and forth for quite some time afterwards because I met my husband over there so uh, I was uh, out of high school didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life uh, I was always sort of you know I was always sort of in admiration of these people that kind of knew what they wanted to do after high school because I felt like I never truly knew what I wanted to do although writing was always there but I didn't really think that I could you know chase that as a career so to speak and um yeah so after uni oh sorry I started uni and then um I was always really studious and you know got good marks at school but I ended up in this business degree which um I'm so creative and so you know I found myself in this room with you know economy you know budding economists and I just I couldn't cope with that I just you know I didn't know what I was doing there and so I got the travel bug I saved up some money and I went overseas and I did a Kentucky tour and, um, you know, travelled Europe and really fell in love with travel and uh, having, you know, my, my grandparents are Italian. My mum was very little when she came out to Australia. She was 15 months old when, when you know, her mum and dad brought her out here. And so I'd always grown up bilingual and knowing that Italy was a really strong part of my heritage. Uh, but I'd never actually travelled to Italy until that trip. And when I did, I... 
I fell in love with it and I realised then that I wanted to go back and learn more about, you know, the culture and the history of Italy, this, you know, this place that my grandmother had always spoken so fondly about. Uh, And so I ended up, to cut a long story short, I ended up um, back in Florence after that trip. I had met my husband on the first trip over there and, and I ended up finding a job and living there and I just fell in love with the, the country, the lifestyle, all of it. It just, I just, I felt like I had come home somewhere. And, uh, and that's where my love of, of Italy and, and Tuscany began. And that's where I started reconnecting after high school with my writing, because I would start uh, taking a lot of notes about, you know, the culture and those, you know, those funny, quirky things that the Italians do. And um, this was also around the time that, um, you know, you would know of Francis May's Bella Tuscany and Under the Tuscan Sun books those were huge hits around the time that I was actually living in Italy and so I devoured those books and um I was taking my own notes about living in Italy and I thought to myself, you know what, one day these might come in handy because one day I want to write a book. But little did I know that, you know, so many years would pass until I would finally use those notes that my mum held on to all that time. You know, my mum keeps everything. And the funny thing is, like, she knows how to access it at the, you know, at the push of a button. And, uh, yeah, so finally when I sat down to write a book, I went back to those notes of my love of Italy and I was transported myself back to that time of what it was like to sort of, you know, step foot into this foreign country for the first time uh, as a, you know, as a young woman and, you know, I sort of used that as a springboard for a setting that would, you know, give life to a fictional story that became the Florentine Bridge. Yeah. Now, everybody, look, how can we resist? Now, I know Vanessa runs an annual writer's retreat and it's called Your Beautiful Writing Life to Tuscany. Now, a lot of us who listen or participate in my podcast have a romance background and we go right back to the Mills and Boons days where there were tall, dark, handsome Italians who sweep their brides off their feet. How can we resist in this holiday mode to hear all about you and your own romantic husband? (laughs) <laughs> I, I wish there was a you know a, a great story behind that but um I actually you know what a lot of people tell me that it is a good story I just laugh at the story but um yeah so I was on this Contiki tour and uh they actually still take groups to uh a restaurant um in Florence to this day and uh it's a restaurant where they have like live music and it's typical um you know typical uh food and they take the groups there and because they have this live music the waiters um will often ask patrons to dance and that's what my husband did he invited me to dance and the rest is history so yeah we stayed in contact after that and um yeah I just trusted that that gut instinct to to stay in touch with him and um yeah and go back there and you know here we are now we are living back in Australia and we have two children and we have these ties to Italy now forever so changed my life and and look we can't resist everybody the reason romance novels are so very very important to our lives is because we all believe in that romantic ideal and that romantic dream now your book definitely taps into that the Florentine Bridge your life definitely taps into that as you take other writers over to Italy to experience that same life what I want to focus on today is your job as a creative coach 
and living the creative life because here at Rider on the Road, that's where we're heading in 2017. We're about to embark on that rather romantic life and we're closing our eyes to the reality of money and all that kind of stuff. Talk to us about how you would advise would-be creatives to take that leap. I think it's just starting with a single word. I mean, you know, some of the scariest things for all of us are to, you know, to let ourselves be vulnerable in terms of, you know, letting our thoughts out onto the page or, you know, starting something new. I know that a lot of beginner writers really struggle with even just claiming that title of I am a writer. And so I think it's just becoming comfortable with that and knowing, you know, as you would know through your podcast, and for me, I've been blessed to be able to interview many, many authors, some of them you know, massive New York Times bestselling authors who still struggle with the self-doubt and is something that, you know, nobody as far as I know uh, in the creative arts is immune to. This is something that we all deal with. So it's really just about doing it for the joy and really understanding that you're doing this as a gift to yourself. Writing is such a blessing and I really love talking about writing in this way because it takes away all the ego and all the expectations and everything because if you can really just sit at the desk or, you know, grab your notepad and pen and just let you know, let your thoughts or your ideas just pour out of you without, you know, with taking away all the expectation, I think that's when you really truly love to write and that's when you will do your best work as well. And so for me, you know, I've just handed in my second manuscript to my publisher and, um, you know, the second book was not really all that easy for me. I didn't have all these practice novels behind me because The Florentine Bridge was the first adult novel that I had written. Um, and so I had to really do a lot of work around that. And thankfully, you know, as a coach and, you know, I'm supported with, by other writers now that I've met along the way this year, you know, really a lot of the struggle is with that self-doubt, that voice of the ego on the shoulder, you know, saying, you know, you're doing the wrong thing or, you know, maybe people won't like this or what have you. So it's really I spent a lot of time reconnecting with myself and just trying to block out all of those expectations and those, um, you know, those worries. So I use meditation a lot as a tool to help me kind of overcome things. So now, you know, if I sort of feel like the words aren't flowing, I'll get up and maybe go for a walk or do a meditation or um, that sort of thing. And that's really what I tried to embody in the writing retreat that I ran in Tuscany as well was just that you can, you know, you can sort of um, create a writing life that is going to be um, giving you joy, but also, you know, because there is that side of it where you have to meet deadlines and it is a business and that you've got that side of it as well. So really balancing that. Yeah. And I think that's a trick for all of us. It's something that we fight on an ongoing basis. Now, it's pretty exciting that you've got your second book coming out or that it's with your uh, editor at the moment. I notice you have a literary agent. I notice you're published with a mainstream publisher. And I notice on your podcast, uh, your Creative Life podcast with Kimberly Foster, um, beautifully mm. set out, but we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, that a lot of your posts or a lot of your podcasts are about I guess going that traditional route, is that what you recommend for, for, your, for your authors? Look, I think that it's a really personal decision and I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer to that. It really is personal preference. And, you know, I've spoken, I've also had self-published authors on the podcast and I've also had aspiring authors or, you know, writers on the podcast that haven't yet been published that are working towards publications. I think it's really important to hear their voices as well. I actually started the podcast before I had an offer of publication myself. So um, I think, you know, whether you have that 
that offer or whether you have self-published a book or not, you know, your voices are still worthy and, and worth being heard. Uh, but to go back to the question, no, I don't think that there's a, a right or wrong answer. For me, it was a really personal decision. And um, I think my decision to go the traditional route was that I had run um, some online businesses in the past and I also have a background in corporate sales and so I know how hard it is to sell whether it's a book or a product or yourself and um knowing that knowing how difficult it is to be seen to you know to have you know your work out there you know because distribution is kind of like the most hardest thing you know to to get your book actually out there and visible I knew that I wanted to really focus on my art and do what I did best and then be able to kind of rely on a traditional publisher to, to work on the rest. And in saying that, I know that I need to sort of, you know, obviously like I'm, I'm very active online. I've got, you know, a great newsletter database. I have a podcast. I'm quite, you know, I'm on social media and everything. So I don't mind doing the heavy lifting in terms of promoting myself and that sort of thing. Um, but I, you know, for the most part, I wanted to be able to focus on the craft because be, right before I wrote this book uh I had been doing a um a digital parenting magazine and I was basically juggling spinning so many plates because not only was I commissioning articles I was editing them I was you know um guiding the designer on the creative aspect of things and then I was also doing the marketing and sales and then I just realized you know this is taking all the joy out of this because I want to focus on actually writing, but I was doing all of these other things that didn't really allow me to do what I loved most. So that's, that's my decision. You know, that's how I came to that. Um, but yeah, like I said before, I think, you know, there are, there are people doing amazing things with, with self-publishing and, you know, I'm in awe of the ones that, that do that and do it well. And, you know, I think they're, you know, they're all valid choices. You've just got to do what is right for you, what feels good to you. Yeah, and that's the exciting thing and that's what we focus on here at Rider on the Road, I guess, the most is that choice about what you do, what direction you go. It's fantastic, Vanessa, listening to you talk today because the focus is not on traditional or indie publishing but on that leading a creative life, focusing on our writing, um, getting rid of our self-doubt and our fears and just enjoying the process. And I think with so much noise out there and so many things happening, it's sometimes a little bit difficult to, to shut yourself off from all that and do that, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, definitely. I mean, we live in this this world that is just it's so fast paced. There's so much information overload out there. You know, it's nice to have that reminder to kind of slow down sometimes and take it all in. Yeah. So everybody, 2017, uh, year of the creative living. Vanessa and I are doing it. We think you should all do it with us uh, because. We don't know what's happening at the end of that year. We don't know whether we're going to be rich, poor or something in between. Uh, Vanessa's certainly got some exciting things happening, I guess, in your life with your, with your literary agent, with your traditional publisher, with, with that wonderfully designed podcast. I'm so jealous, everybody. I'm going to turn my <laughs> podcast pink next year. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense with your, with your marketing and public relations background that you should have such a, pu- a beautiful platform. Um, you've done all that work yourself, have you? 
I have, yes. I am self-taught. I did my website on my own. I just, yeah, I just pull up my sleeves and just get onto YouTube. But I think it helps that I'm a creator. I'm a, I'm a creative person. But I'm also very curious. I love learning new things too. So yeah, I mean, I've hired designers and, and that sort of thing to do things in the past. But yeah, I like, you know, I like doing that stuff as well. It's just, yeah, it just becomes harder when you, you know, when you're trying to fit it in. Like time is always, you know, so precious. So that's the hardest part about it all. I think yeah and they're recurring themes everybody we hear them every week um, not enough time uh, I'm, I'm not good enough anyway uh, tell, tell us Vanessa you have this wonderful podcast and you have tapped into some amazing brains I am totally jealous that you had Natalie Goldberg on on your podcast she was my first one and uh, yeah I remember like I was so nervous to approach her publicists to come onto the podcast but I, I was always convinced that like they would say no but she was actually so gracious and I remember I got up at three o'clock in the morning to record with her and she forgot about the time like she forgot about the appointment and so she was so gracious she actually got on the next day and um and recorded it with me the following day but yeah that was a great like it was just so meaningful like you know to have her on the podcast as the the launch episode so yeah it was great we've had some really lovely um amazing authors on there and they just inspire me I love I love I've loved really you know spending the year um connecting with with authors you know in this way and publishing professionals too it's just shown me what an amazing industry we have it's so special yeah and we're going to pick your brain a little bit Natalie we're going to live vicariously oh Natalie where'd that come from (laughs) Vanessa (laughs) I'm doing well this morning everybody just excuse me haven't had my chocolate biscuits yet uh Vanessa has interviewed everybody from, as she said, from the indie side to the traditional publishing side to Natalie Goldberg, everybody. She wrote Writing Down the Bones. So if you haven't read that one, that's a fantastic, I guess, I call it motivational and inspirational because she digs really deep in what it is to be a writer. It's probably one of the first books that I bought. And I think, was it uh, Julia Cameron's um what is it? The artist's life is the artist's one. way. Yeah, mm. that they're beautiful. Um, but yeah, talking about people who you've had on your podcast, I was curious about Natalie Goldberg and what what um, advice that she gave to you. Her advice was just so no nonsense. She just said, you know, if you want to write, just pick up the pen and write. Like it was just so simple, and she was just so straight to the point. Really, you know, that's the essence of her message: is just that, you know, you just need to pick up the pen and write. That's, you know, she teaches the free writing technique where you, you, you know, you take the pencil and you don't look up, you don't stop moving your hand, you just keep going, and you just let it pour out of you. And you know, this is her message. And um, yeah, there's no, there's no trick to it. There's no you know, we sort of, I sometimes we try and complicate things, but really it is, you know, it is that easy, but it also isn't, you know, like you can pick up the pen and just try and write, but then, you know, still people need help, like with trying to overcome the fear. And I think that's what it comes down to is that it's just, you know, it's not, you're not blocked. It's just, it's just maybe a bit scary. Like you might have expectations of yourself that you feel like you can't meet, or maybe someone else is going to read your work and not like it, or you feel like you, you know, you can't find your way through a plot hole what have you I think it's really just setting aside fear and just doing it and just knowing that you can revise your work later like everything is fixable later 
Yeah, and one of the things that really interests me at the moment, because I've been mentoring young teens, I guess, to to write their novels, and it's been one of the most exciting, um, inspiring experiences of my life to see how they've picked up that challenge and run with it. And I'm about to go ahead with um, mentoring uh, a few adults to to write their novels as well. And it's interesting because there's so much free advice out there and we know as writers that everybody's very, very generous with their advice and with their support and with their help. But having, I guess, someone there as your accountability partner, someone to that you can send things off to on a weekly basis if you need to, that's part of what a coach is all about, isn't it? Yeah, well, um, I actually am trained as a life coach. So I did, um, I've got my certification in life coaching. Uh, And life coaching is, or just that sort of coaching is a little bit different in that it's more about, the session is more about um, having the client bring an issue to the table that they want to work on for the session. So it could be, you know, Oh, anything from, you know, I want to find more time to write or, you know, I want to overcome self-doubt with my writing or I want to um, work out what kind of path I want to go down, whether I want to go down the indie path or self-pub uh, or traditional path or it could be any sort of issue that, that someone is having. And then it's basically the coach asking the client questions about this that helps them come to um, – to ascertaining their goal and then helping them move forward in that. So it's always forward moving, forward thinking and um, helping that client come to these realisations or decisions about the way that they want to move forward by themselves. So that's the traditional coaching model. Uh, and then you have things like mentoring and, you know, that sort of stuff that is sort of a little bit more what you're talking about is, you know, um, helping someone become accountable for things and, and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, the traditional coaching is a little bit different in that it's more sort of um, guiding them through questions and helping them have their, you know, light bulb moments through that particular session. And for me, when I was doing the life coaching, I didn't even know really why I had enrolled in it. I just felt drawn to doing it. I thought, oh, this could be fun. But then as I sort of um, was doing my triads, you sort of get together for, gosh, I can't remember however however many weeks it is now, but we would get together, the three of us, um, each week and just coach each other for a session. And every week I was bringing, you know, some of the challenges that I was having relating to writing. And then I realised, you know what, I'm sure that there are other writers in this boat. I'm going to actually focus on, you know, on coaching writers as opposed to, you know, doing this broad. So I really niched down what I was doing. Um, I don't do a lot of coaching now, but, you know, I'm sort of open to it every now and then. I'll take on new clients and help them, you know, with what they're up to. But, yeah, I just find it really rewarding. Love it. Yeah. And you you interviewed someone on your podcast that I was interested in um, mentoring and teaching with Faber Academy's Catherine Heyman. I don't even know what Faber Academy is. Well, yeah, Kimberly did this interview and uh, Faber Academy, gosh, probably I'm not going to explain this very well, but it's, um, I think it's affiliated with Alan and Unwin and they, yeah, they have these uh, courses and that sort of thing. And yeah, she interviewed Catherine Heyman, I think, I can't remember if she's, I can't remember her title actually at the Faber Academy, but they, um, yeah, they basically, it's an, it's another way that you can, you know, hone your, your skills in terms of, you know, your writing. So, they, yeah, they offer this program. Yeah, and there's more and more people out there 
giving themselves permission to write their novel, and that's what I'm I'm exploring, I guess, with with what I'm doing, is saying, look, I've wanted to do this for years and years, and now's the time. And I was speaking to a woman yesterday who's who I'll be mentoring next year, and basically she said she pays fifteen hundred dollars for a three day conference. Why would anyone quibble? about having or paying for professional mentorship when you're fulfilling a life dream. Uh, Are we finding now that people are appreciating our skills and appreciating that we've put in a lot of work to be the professional writers that we are and that they're now prepared to pay for our services? Are you finding that a little bit more? Um, Yes and no. I think, you know, it just depends really on the person and what they're looking for. Like I think, you know, there's... um, if 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 you're if you're wanting to write and you're you're really you know you're really wanting this um, you you have to want it like a, a coach can help you kind of overcome you know sort things out you know help you see perspective and that sort of thing but really you need to be the one that wants to make these changes or wants to sort of you know take steps forward but I think that there's um, personally like I think there's a lot to be said for like doing this sort of thing in terms of if it's going to help you move forward with your goals and some people just need a helping hand but I mean I, I see a lot of people you know trying to put up their hands for workshops and and things like that even I've, I've noticed like there's a lot more um, Australian authors offering things like writing retreats and that sort of thing so I don't know if I'm really seeing a shift but I love what I'm seeing in terms of more people doing you know offering these sorts of things because I think it just yeah it just gives people permission to kind of embrace writing into their lives so I think that's a good thing yeah and that's what that's what got me very excited talking to this woman and a few other other people as well is that they're prepared to invest in their own creativity so I'm guessing writers as a whole and I know romance writers are so very good at this about holding ourselves up as professionals and saying look I've worked really hard to get here and I think we interviewed someone on the podcast and she said yeah the secret is work 16 hours a day seven days a week for years to become an overnight success and I just laughed because people don't want to hear that part do they? (laughs) No definitely not no it's always easy to kind of make assumptions about how somebody got to where they are. And juggling families and and all the rest that goes goes into it isn't it? Um, You've got a blog post up and it's called How Books Are Made From Stolen Moments. Now Vanessa's making this all sound very easy everybody Um, but she's got a a daughter, she's got a family, she's got a job, she's got a handsome hero, she's just put in her second book. How do you find the time to write? It's the um, perennial question isn't it? I don't find the time I make the time it's uh it's a struggle it's not always easy but you know I I'm not afraid to set the alarm at 5 30 in the morning and get up to fit the writing in if I have to you know I take a notebook with me everywhere so you know my son is very involved in soccer um throughout the soccer season it's training twice a week plus a game plus he does clinic with skills my daughter does horse riding so I'm constantly you know driving them around you know in conjunction with my husband sometimes like on a Saturday we just like cross paths for half an hour for lunch and then go somewhere else again um but I take a notebook wherever I go um or a book so I'm either reading or writing while I'm you know waiting for the kids to finish their various activities uh and so I try and make the most of it so you know I might get down 100 200 words while I'm waiting for you know my daughter to do her horse riding and then at least that's something or at least I'll jot down some ideas and and that sort of thing so I just try and fit it in 
as much as possible and you know and then I have set writing days I'm lucky to have set writing days where um I will fiercely guard my time on those days which means no coffees after school drop off with the mums from school no lunches no um appointments or anything like that so I will solidly write during school hours and I don't fit anything else in uh and then you know I sort of don't do a lot of writing at night because I find it very hard to fall asleep afterwards because the characters just keep you know, keep chattering away or I'll, you know, I'll be lying in bed and new scenes come to me and then I'll have to turn the light on and write down notes and that sort of thing. So I try to sort of do more in the morning than than in the evenings. If anything, in the evening, once the kids have gone to bed, that's when I'll always write, read a book at night. I always read a book at night. But I also might do more things like blog posts or social media things at night where I, you know, I know it'll be easy to switch off afterwards. But I really try to reduce the screen time at night because I find it a little bit hard to fall asleep. Um, I also make sure that when – so in the mornings, I, I find it really hard to fit the writing in if things in my house aren't in order. So I really try and, like, get the dishes done, give a quick back, vacuum to the kitchen, um, you know, make sure there's no dirty dishes and put a load of washing on before I drop the kids off to school because then when I come back in the house, it's kind of um, – you know when, you, like, you walk into the into an office, like the first thing you might go and do is make a coffee and then go sit down at your desk if you work in an office, which is what I was always used to. So I sort of try and do that so that when I come in, I put the kettle on, make a cup of tea or coffee and go straight to my desk and then it's on, like I start working, um, knowing that the house is taken care of and I won't arrive at, you know, 3.30 once I pick the kids up and there are still dirty dishes in the sink because I find that incredibly stressful so yeah they're just my quirky things and ways that I go about you know fitting it all in but yeah early mornings when required yeah and isn't it interesting treating your uh, writing as a job now we started off today and I'm very excited about you know the year of living creatively and protecting our creative time and all that kind of stuff but the people who are successful like yourself and the people who have finished their novels and have novels to show you treat your writing like a job and you guard your time fiercely. I think that's where that's the biggest difference between aspiring writers and people who write is um, not treating it like a job. You've got to put in the hours. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's not always easy doing that. But, um, yeah, I think if you really want it and you're taking it seriously, you need to, you know, you need to be able to, you know, to carve out that, space and write when it's not convenient to write because let's face it it's not always convenient you know there are times where you're tired or you can't be bothered or you know you feel like you know you're a bit stuck and you're resisting going back to the computer because you know it might be tricky to work on a particular scene and that sort of thing but yeah this is the thing like you just have to keep showing up you just have to keep showing up at the computer and then one day you're going to be able to type those words at the end and you know and you'll be there and you'll be so grateful that you did it. Yeah, and you look back and you'll say, I'm not quite sure how that happened. I just had one of my young writers, she's 10 years old, and she just plotted away for three months and she's finished a manuscript and it just blew me away. I was oh, mentoring amazing. her. It is. I was mentoring her and coaching her and while I was mentoring her and coaching her, she did it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, there's amazing. A, yeah, there's a, lesson, there's a real lesson in that, everybody, is 
just stop mucking around and get down and do it. Now, Vanessa has been very generous with her advice today, and it's something to start the year off with, I reckon. I think we forget some of these things sometimes, Vanessa. So I think what you've said today is actually a wonderful way to, uh, to kick off the new year. Uh, if you'd like to leave us with, you've got how to trust yourself to write a book, and you've given five beautiful, beautiful tips. Now, I don't know if you can remember them, <laughs> I probably can't. Um, I probably can't. I, it's probably, you know, with my blog, I don't like. I don't have a set schedule with my blog. I just, I will write a blog post when I've got something to say, and when I, you know, that's my way of like kind of. Um, a lot of the time when I'm writing these blog posts is when I've just kind of come out of. Um, I call them seasons in my writing, so I feel like there are different seasons, you know, seasons when you're you're drafting something, seasons when you're maybe, um, you know, collecting ideas and daydreaming a little bit. And so I sort of just reflect on things once I, you know, once I get through them. But I'm just going to try and pull this up just to see what I actually what, – what, what did you say? I can tell you. I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, go tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it's called How to Trust Yourself to Write a Book. And this is the big one for me that I'm noticing with new people, and it's why I, I sort of wanted to round off with this one and one more question is yeah, it's sure. because people don't trust themselves they look at you and say wow you've got that beautiful book you've got that beautiful cover you're really clever um, but what they don't realize oh, yes, is yes. you're exactly the same as them and it's that trust and one of the things is trusting your voice Yes, yes, I remember now. I um, Yeah, it's all about trusting your voice and just trusting that, you know, because when I was writing um, the manuscript for my second book, uh, which I've just handed in, as I mentioned before, I know that there were days where I felt like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I am ever going to see the words at the end being able to be typed at the end of this book because it just felt it felt so far away. I felt like I didn't know how I was going to tie up the end of the story and, you know, you're in the middle of this thing and you're under a deadline line and you know you haven't done it a million times before even though you know I speak to writers and they tell me you know I go through this every single time and so really you know this was you know I, I wrote this blog post I think after I finished the draft and then I was you know as I mentioned like I write when I have something to say or something to share and this was all fresh in my mind and this is basically how I how I got through trusting myself to finish that manuscript so yeah that's um yeah these are all the things I had to do I had to trust the characters I had to trust the voice I had to trust that I would reach the end and um and then I had to remind myself that it, it didn't matter what was coming down on the page at the moment because I would be able to revise at the end. And that was the most beautiful thing, you know, when you do get to the end and then you can read your book start to finish, um, there are going to be things that need to be fixed. But, you know, it's great when you've got it in your hands and then you can mould it into something better. Yeah, and that's the that's the single thing that nobody else can give you and it's a single thing that I stress with, with my students the most is that intrinsic value of success when you type the end. No, nobody mm -hmm. can give you that. You, you earn that yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, look, um, Vanessa, you've been really generous. Am I allowed to have a sneak um, preview about what your second book's about or is that a secret? Uh, I can give you a little bit of an idea. Uh, it's without giving too much away. It's a story that uh, that looks at um, our relationship between memory and uh, and nature. So this one is actually set 
um, unlike, you know, the Tuscan setting for the first book, this is set on a flower farm. And so it's got this beautiful, um, yeah, it's another beautiful setting. And it's basically, yeah, it deals with, um, you know, the way that we remember our lives, but also to like, you know, how do memories shape us and make us who we are? And if we had our time over, would we live the same life again? Would we make the same choices about our life? And would we fall in love with the same person? So yeah, that's not, that's very vague, I know, but yeah, it's um yeah without really going into yeah. it too much. But yeah, that's what it's about. And yeah, I um I don't really know what I'm going to write next. That's I'm going to spend January daydreaming. So yeah. that's the phase I'm going into now. So <laughs> and the phase we're going into now is listening to you guys tell us all about these beautiful books and giving us reading material. I went into Big W the other day and I picked up this hugest pile and they're all exciting because they're all my friends now. I've got I've got so many of you who are achieving these amazing things. Uh, Vanessa's book, The Florentine Bridge, I think, I don't know whether I saw it in Big W because otherwise I would have put it on my pile, but I'm sure it's out there, everybody. Uh, did you have an official launch for that? Well, the book has already started appearing in Big W stores and should be in Dimmicks uh, next week. So next week is the week before Christmas. I'm not sure when this episode is going to be airing, but probably by the time it's airing, it's going to be out there in stores, the official publication date's the 1st of January. But, uh, yeah, readers have been lucky to grab copies before Christmas, which is fantastic. It's been so amazing seeing people sending me photos of the book on shelves and in their hands. So, yeah, it really is a dream come true. Yeah, and it's exciting. And the where I wanted to finish today, everybody and I think it's something that we all need to remember Vanessa's very active on Goodreads she's always reading books recommending books uh, putting reviews up there I believe as well it's unusual for anyone to be a writer without being an avid reader yeah, absolutely. I read, yeah, I try to read as much as possible. And yeah, I love, I love getting recommendations from Goodreads. I love seeing what other people are reading. I love sharing my love of books. And yeah, I always have a book on the go. So I'm always trying to make time to read because, you know, actually that's another good tool. Like if people are feeling stuck, if you go and read, you know, especially if you go and read like good writing, writing that transports you, you know, beautiful prose, things like that. Like if I go and pick up a book um, that can do that, you know, that to me, like, it just reminds me of, I don't know, it just it, it's kind of, it takes me away, but it also reminds me that I can do this. So then it makes me want to rush back to my manuscript and do more writing. I don't know, that probably sounds really silly, but that's how I feel about, you know, it's, it's actually really helpful to read. So, yeah. yeah. And everybody, our ultimate teachers are published novels. We've all got them on our shelves or we should have them on our shelves. Whether they be classics, whether they be the beautiful modern romance novels that are coming out um, so prolifically at the moment and some very very intelligent women are writing some great titles and I'm fully supportive of every one of you it's it's exciting it's summer we're kicking back we're reading each other's novels and and supporting what is becoming a really strong I guess women's fiction industry and here at Writer on the Road we wish everyone uh, all the best over their summer reading period I hope you've all got a beach somewhere because I know I've been to my beach and I'm home again now um, enjoy the summer we'll be back officially I guess in February um, but remember 2017 year of living creatively uh, Vanessa's podcast is your creative life podcast and it is absolutely beautiful and if you're anything like me you'll get lost in there for hours uh, thank you Vanessa is there anywhere we can find you other than Big W and Dimmicks? 
<laughs> you can find me online. Uh, yeah, I've got a website and, yeah, I'm on all social sites and everything. But, uh, yeah, I'd love for people to come and say hello. I've got a newsletter that goes out mon- monthly as well. Um, and so, yeah, just I love connecting with, you know, with writers, with uh, readers. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, feel free to come and say hello. Yeah, and have a look at those beautiful photos of the writers' retreat last year in Tuscany, and there's another one coming up in 2017. Uh, jealous, jealous, jealous. Uh, one day when I grow up, I'm going on a writers' retreat as well. Okay, so it's bye from Writer on the Road for our summer reading sessions, and bye to Vanessa Carnavali and the Florentine Bridge. Bye.